Okay, let's talk about candles for a minute. Do you know that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? It's insane. That's why I think it's really cool that Notes candles exist. They're working to eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel over and over again. It is super easy. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, so all you do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar and fill it up with the wax beads and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. The Santal and Atlas Cedar scent is like this woodsy calming smell. It's so nice. And they have oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water, and a total of 13 really great options to choose from. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Right now, notes is giving our friends 15% off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using the code that sounds fun. Just use that code that sounds fun when you're placing your order. That's that sounds fun at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so happy to be here with you today, and we have got a great show in store. Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to tell you about one of our incredible partners, AG1 by Athletic Greens. I know it's the time of year when some of our healthy rhythms start going out the window because schedules are so crazy and summer is coming, but AG1 by Athletic Greens is such a simple way to incorporate a nutritional foundation to your day. It's hard to keep track of all the vitamins and supplements we need to take, right? So when it comes to things that will help us prioritize our health, what if it's as easy as adding one scoop of AG1 powder to really cold water and Instead of taking multiple different products, every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients of the highest quality that give us major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, let's go, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. Here's what I love too. AG1 is delivered like clockwork every month, so it's super easy to make it a daily habit. You don't have to set a reminder to order it or stress out when you realize you only have one scoop left. Plus, the single serving travel packs can be thrown in your purse or carry on. Thank you very much. When you are on the go. It's the healthiest thing you can do in under a minute. With AG1 being good friends to our bodies, each day is really that simple. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, AG1 is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So go to athleticgreens.com slash sounds fun. That's athleticgreens.com slash sounds fun. Y'all check it out. Today on the show, we get to chat with Dr. Nijay Gupta. Nijay, as he told me to call him, otherwise I'd be calling him Dr. Gupta. You get it. Nijay is professor of New Testament at Northern Seminary. He's author of several books, including his latest, which came out in March, Tell Her Story, How Women Led, Taught, and Ministered in the Early Gospels. This is a fascinating conversation about the ministry of women in the Bible. And for those of you who are reading the Gospels with us each month, I think you're going to especially love this. And if you're not reading the Gospels with us at the Let's Read the Gospels podcast, May 1st is a great time to jump in. Now, listen, I want to tell you as you go into this conversation, this is a topic that is important to talk about that not everybody agrees on, and that is so okay. We can listen. We can learn. We don't have to agree with everybody that we are friends with. Yeah, so if, if this subject matter feels tricky, that's okay. And just hang with us. Stick with us for this conversation. I think you're really going to benefit from it. So mostly, I just cannot wait for y'all to get to know Nijay and hear this conversation. Man, it had me mind blown a few times. We got to, we've got to start a scale of how many mind blown emojis each conversation does to me. And this is like a three or four out of five, you guys, three or four out of five. So here's my conversation with Dr. Nijay Gupta. Okay, Dr. Gupta, I know you said to call you Nijay, but I'm going to welcome you. Dr. Gupta, welcome to That Sounds Fun. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> Grateful to be here. Oh, what an honor. It is It is truly your thinking, your writing, your research is extraordinary. So thank you for what you've done already. I'm grateful. Okay, will you back us up? How'd you get into this? How'd you get into theology as your job? 
Yeah, I don't know, you know, how many hours we have, but, uh, you know, born and raised in Ohio, the heartland. And I grew up actually in a Hindu household. My parents are Hindu. Um, Are they still? They are. I struggled with who I was as a brown kid in a white rural town, northern Ohio. And I found Jesus as a teenager. The gospel just found me in the midst of just lostness. And I just fell in love with Jesus. And I, you know, kind of like Paul says, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. I want to be all in on ministry. I did missions trips. I was going to church like five times a week. I was involved in everything the church offered. And I just had this burning in my heart to just study the Bible, understand the Bible, follow God. And so it really starts with a passion for God's Word, just loving God's Word. I was involved in Navigators in college at Miami of Ohio, memorized hundreds of Scripture verses, and then going to seminary, not because I wanted to be a pastor, I didn't know what I wanted to do, because I wanted to study the Bible in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. I just was like, if this is what you do to love Scripture, then I'm going to spend four or five years doing it. So I went to seminary, and that just really started this journey of saying, I think I'm, I don't know you that well, Andy, but I think I'm like you, where I just love learning. Yeah. And I love telling other people what I'm learning. Yes. And I'm like, what job could I get paid to do that? Yeah. And being a seminary professor is a job where they pay me to study and learn. Yeah. And then to be able to kind of share that fire with pastors, students, and whoever will listen or read. Yeah. When you read your Bible, On a normal day. Yeah. Are you reading in English? You know, I do a lot in Greek, but I will... I'll do a little bit of a humble brag here. I need you to. (laughs) I I just joined the translation committee for the New Living Translation. (gasps) Wow. And I hadn't... Oh my gosh, that's incredible. I love it. Yep. And I've always wanted to be a professional (laughs) Bible translator. So we just met with our committee last month at a summit in Chicago working with the greatest, greatest people. I mean, reading the Bible, translating it, eating Chicago pizza. Right? That's it doesn't get any better unbelievable. than that. <laughs> That's living the dream. So I, I do, I kind of savor good translations. Yes. You know, I savor it like a good movie version of a book Yes. where you can just say, they did good choices there. Think about a film critic and, you know, they've watched a million movies and so things don't really surprise them, but they can appreciate the craft that went into it. Yes. I kind of do that with Bible translations where I don't like poo-poo and say, oh, it's the English Bible. I say, somebody really put a lot of work into this. And they came up with really great English words for the Greek text. So I read it in Greek, but I really savor good English translations like the Message Bible, which is a paraphrase. (laughs) Eugene Peterson is like one of my heroes. Yes. If I had a poster on my wall of somebody, (laughs) it would probably be Peterson because just the humility and just, you know, his his patient learning. Yes. Long obedience. All of that comes in his the Message Bible. So, yeah. So why NLT? I mean, they asked, but is that also the one that you're like, I love this one? Yeah. Okay. My, my take on the NLT is the Bible was written, the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, which means the language of the people. Uh-huh. And I love the beauty of the King James, but... King James is no longer street English. <laughs> oh, DJ, multiple people have asked us to read a month of Let's Read the Gospels in King James. And I'm like, are you kidding? That would be so, but people feel a real attachment to it. It is not easy to read or to understand. It's beautiful, but it's not reflecting what the early Christian writers were doing, which is trying to write most of the time in the regular language of the people. Yeah. And so I think that what the New Living Translation does, it says, we're going to translate the Bible faithfully but we're going to translate it into the language of the people mm-hmm. so that our kids can understand it, so that yes. we can enjoy it, so that it has some artistry to it. And I, th- I think they do that really well, and that's yeah. why I like it. So you are doing what Tim Mackey did to me, what Lisa Harper does to me, of like, get to seminary, Annie, purely because I wish I was reading it in Greek. Yeah, I just regret that I don't haven't done that for the first four decades of my life. One of our friends that sent in a question through our AFD Week in Review, Lauren asked... Do you have any suggestions on how to figure out the right place to go to seminary? Green flags, red flags to look for? I mean, to me, I'll I'll give you a couple tips. One is, and these are kind of my opinion, but I hope hope people will will take that into account. I want people to study to seminary that has different kinds of people teaching Mm -hmm. there. So you're getting influence from different traditions. Mm -hmm. You know, I do want people to go to a seminary that is faithful to scripture, you know, 
understands that Jesus is God and all of that, you know, kind of evangelical heritage. But it's, you know, when I went to seminary, I went to Gordon-Conwell, I had an Assemblies of God Old Testament professor, yeah. I had a Lutheran church history professor, I had a Presbyterian oh, cool. professor, Baptist, all kinds. And, and you learn so much from the breadth. It was the first time I was introduced to Episcopals and to Lutherans and to Presbyterians. I didn't know anything coming out of my unchurched background before I was 16. So then to get a flavor of the different, you know, different streams and different types of Christianity is beautiful. So I encourage that. Second thing I would say is follow the authors. You know, Anna, you read so many books. I can't (laughs) even keep up with what you read. And so who are your favorite? Yeah. Academic writers, people like Tremper Longman, people like Scott McKnight or Lynn Kohick. Esau Macaulay. Esau Macaulay. I mean, I will follow Esau Macaulay to a university. You, I'd follow you to a seminary. Yeah, Esau and I went to seminary together at, oh, at really? Gordon Conwell. We were there yeah. the same year. Were you the same time as Tyler Reagan, too? Yes. Yeah. So also, then we have weird yep. friends that are not James public Michael people. James Michael Smith. James Michael and Dan, his brother-in-law. Yeah. I mean, all those people. Yeah, those all are those all my people. people from college. Carmen Imes, uh, same era of Gordon Conwell, but different campuses. Yeah. So I'd say follow the authors that you love, because if they're if they're a good writer for the Christian public, they're probably a good teacher yes. also. Usually yes. that that matches right. up. And then now with the with the benefits of social media, try to find current students. And, and, ask, try, and ask them, what's wow. your experience like? Do you yeah. like it? What don't you like about it? Be mm-hmm. honest with me. Mm-hmm. All of that. Admissions people have to say good things. Yes. But students will tell you exactly what they yes. think. Okay, so your latest book. How many books have you written total? Solo authored about 15. Okay. Um, and then kind of total about 2025. 20, oh, my gosh. Uh, all theologically driven versus memoir, narrative, fiction. All, all for seminary students or about the Bible. Yeah. DJ. It is like that scene in Aladdin where the lion opens his mouth, the sand lion, and Aladdin walks in, and suddenly it's gold everywhere. I feel like reading Tell Her Story is the opening of that for me. And you're telling me there's 20 more books back there. There's more. I, there's oh, more. I can't wait. Okay, so Tell Her Story. Mm-hmm. Why? Why did you set out to write a book about women in the Bible? There's kind of a personal reason, and then there's kind of more professional reason. I'll start with the personal um, I grew up, as I mentioned, in Ohio, and the church I went to, which was amazing, was more of a what we call traditional complementarian church. And what I had kind of just received from that church, having not read much of the Bible beforehand, was that church was a place where men lead, mm-hmm. and the Bible really is written by men, about men, for men. And women are welcome, and women can support, and women can participate, but leadership is a man's thing. And they encouraged gentle leadership. They encouraged humble leadership. They encouraged wise leadership. But it was really a man's thing. Men were pastors. Men were elders. And, you know, women kind of played supportive roles. And I didn't question it, didn't think much about it. Went to college, was involved in Navigators, Campus Crusade. Similar. Women are involved. Women mentor women. Mm -hmm. Women sometimes lead things, lead mission trips. But at the end of the day, you know, the spotlight is on men. Men yeah. could be campus directors and women couldn't and so forth. It wasn't really until seminary that I became introduced to other ways of looking at it. And I actually went through a process of changing my mind on the subject. Yeah. I, I kind of came of age as a Christian in kind of the heyday of John Piper and Wayne Grudem, um, kind of the late 90s, uh, early 2000s. And I just sort of I sort of passively embraced a theology, a complementarian theology. Mm-hmm. And in seminary, I was really challenged to study the issue in depth. And it's kind of like a Jenga tower, you know, this this view of men kind of, you know, the buck stops here. It's kind of like a Jenga tower. What I realized as I was studying this in seminary and studying the Bible in Greek and Hebrew is pieces started to come out of the mm-hmm. Jenga tower as I realized that it's not as neat and simple mm-hmm. as you know, look at the kings, they were men, look at the priests, look at Jesus, look at the disciples. And one of the big aha moments for me, Annie, was realizing that there are actually a number of amazing women 
who lead the people of God throughout Scripture mm-hmm. had never heard sermons on these women. Yeah, I'd never read books about Not these women. Not just Ruth and Esther. Yeah, that's right. You don't right. even mention Ruth and Esther, actually. Yeah, there's, you? <laughs> there's even more. I'm there's even more to it. explore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so one thing that really impacted me was watching the movie Hidden Figures. I don't yeah. remember that movie, but it's about yes. these women in the 20th century that were behind the great space flight achievements in the United States, and we don't. We never grew up hearing their stories. Mm-hmm. And so it's not crazy to think that maybe there are biblical women who we have hidden yeah. from the great story of Scripture that includes great men, but should also include great women. And so I'll credit IVP with the title. I didn't come up with the title, but tell her story is an exercise in recovery. I'm not mm-hmm. making it up, not bringing stuff from outside the Bible. But right there in the Bible, we have these heroes who show great faith, leadership, wisdom, resilience. And I felt this compulsion within me to tell their stories. The sentence, I did very good not crying reading the book until page 161, (laughs) where you said, where men have sometimes said women can't, the Old and New Testaments testify they did. Yeah. I mean, that that is it. That is the sentence that we need to hear is that. We have been told historically women can't do this. And what you have shown through the Bible is, but they did. They did. <laughs> they did. Yeah. It is. Let's do Old Testament first. Yes. Deborah. Yeah. She's the queen. I mean, is she my new, between Deborah and Phoebe, I can't decide who my new Joan of Arc is. Yeah. I, I just love them both. But but will you talk a little bit about Deborah's leadership? Sure. Yeah. The, now, people always ask me why I started the book with Deborah. Yeah. Because the book is really about early Christian women. But if I have... Meaning tw- New Testament women. Yeah, yeah. New yeah. Testament women. If I have 20 seconds on an elevator to convince somebody that women are amazing leaders, Deborah's so easy yeah. because she checks these boxes that yeah. so often we feel like can't be checked. So if we start with... 1 Timothy 2, I don't permit a woman to, or 1 Corinthians, women should be silent. I want to just kind of flip the script and say, let's look at a woman, Deborah, who really leads the entire nation. So let's talk just briefly about who she is. The era of the judges is one of the darkest eras of yes. Israel. I don't know if we could talk about HBO Max here, but I just finished <laughs> watching The Last of Us, which is about a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I've heard about it. So basically, the era of the judges is the zombie apocalypse okay. <laughs> of Israel, meaning they're in their darkest days, Yeah. right? Where they don't have good, wise leadership like Joshua, and they don't have the kings yet. Three things are repeated. So it's in between Joshua and the monarchy. Saul. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So three things are repeated in the book of Judges. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Yeah. No one did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and there was not yet a king in Israel. Meaning, this is like the Wild West. Yes. Right? And Israel is struggling with sin and dealing with the consequences of that, which is the Canaanites pestering them. So God raises up these temporary leaders, these judges, as you know these you know, ad hoc heroes to step in, fight off the enemies and put Israel back on track. Yes. So you have Gideon, you have Samson. They don't come across that great. Gideon's right, right, right. like the cowardly one. Right. Samson is the kind of just unrighteous leader. Yes, yes. But then you have Deborah. And what's interesting about Deborah is a few things. One is nothing really negative is said about her or even implied about her in the same way it is about Gideon and Samson. Number two, not only is she a judge, which means kind of a, a a deliverer of the people, but she's also an actual judge. Yeah. She sits on kind of a throne of judgment, and uh, she is thereby also an adjudicator of Torah. They've just been given yes. God's law. Yes. And when people come to her for judgment, she's going to use God's word, yeah. the law of Moses, as the arbiter of truth. So that makes her a spiritual leader. On top of that, she's a prophet, uh-huh. which makes her a spokesperson for God. Yes. And so she checks all these boxes of executive leader, judicial leader, spiritual leader. And then she goes into war with Barak. They're victorious. And, then and that's not her husband. That is such no, a big deal. That's not she her is a partner in ministry with someone who is not her. And she has a husband. She has a husband, yeah. Lapidoth. We don't know what happens to him. He could be dead. He could be at home. We don't know. He's not a co-leader. He's not a co-judge. He's not mentioned in the rest of the Old Testament. He's not mentioned by the rabbis. He's not mentioned in the New Testament. And it's wild. There is a song. So people 
I get Twitter messages sometimes. Yes. I get tweets at me and they'll say things like, shame on her. She, you know, she's she's only there as an example that, you know, righteous men didn't step up. That's right. That there was no man available and right. therefore a woman. What was interesting, though, is basically Samson and Gideon were chosen to be military leaders. And that's exactly what Barak is. And yet he wasn't chosen as yeah, the judge. Yeah. So that's interesting. And then a, a victory song is sung. And whenever people say, but is Deborah really a good figure? I say, read God's word, read Judges chapter five. Yeah. And the victories is attributed to her arising as mother over Israel. What a powerful image. Yes. We could talk about the kings like David who were, you know, who did great things. We could talk about prophets who did great things, but there's this beautiful hero of a mother in Israel. And what happens when she's all done? The people get 40 years of peace, which is exactly what a judge is supposed to do. Wow. And so whenever people say, oh, but can women and are they capable of and aren't women too? I want to say, Deborah did. Deborah did. Yeah. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about one of our amazing partners, Crew. We are so grateful for our access to Scripture every day, just like this conversation we get to have because of our access to Scripture. And together, we're going to do everything we can to get the gospel to as many people as possible around the world. Crew is on the ground making sure we get Bibles in the hands of every people group in their very own language, and we get to be a part of that. We can easily take for granted our easy access to Scripture. We can pull up the Bible on our phones find one in any translation we want to, and probably have more than one at our houses. But take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one. That is the reality that many people around the world are facing today. Sharing that hope and peace with others is something that really matters to me. Crew has people doing ministry in almost every country on earth, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. And one thing they are missing is a Bible in their own language. Friends, we can meet that need. For only $25 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $25, you'll also be providing meals to 15 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, as a thank you, you get a free copy of my book, Chase the Fun. So simply text CHASE, C-H-A-S-E, to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text CHASE to 71326, that's C-H-A-S-E, to 71326 to help now, or visit give.crew.com org slash chase message and data rates may apply available to us addresses only and I have one more amazing partner to tell you about, Haya Health. When it comes to my mini BFFs, I always want them to stay healthy, but I know getting them to take their vitamins can be a struggle. They want something that tastes like candy, and their parents want something that's actually good for them, and that's where Haya comes in. Typical children's vitamins contain sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gooey junk growing kids just don't need. But Haya is pediatrician-approved and a super-powered chewable vitamin. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, but it tastes great and is perfect for those picky eaters. It fills in the most common gaps in kids' diets to provide the full body nutrition that they need. Plus, they taste good. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then filled with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help my mini BFF support their immunity, energy, mood, concentration, and more. Get this, your first order comes in this really cute glass bottle that includes stickers that the kids can decorate the bottle with, and then your refills are delivered each month in plastic-free pouches. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You get 50 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash that sounds fun. The deal is not available on their regular website, so you have to go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash that sounds fun to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. And now back to our conversation with Nijay. That sounds fun. Even as a a person who is not married yet, a woman who is not married yet, who does ministry as my job Mm -hmm. in multiple forms, the paradigm shift as I read of, oh, she has a husband that is not her ministry partner. Right. Side by side with Barack. Totally. While she and her husband have a marriage, I thought, oh, this this is what nobody talks about. Nobody talks about it. And you didn't make it up. It's in the Bible. No, it's right there. But nobody talks about that. That is so 
Interesting. So when we know that is true of Deborah, what would you want to see leadership shaped like in the church or in ministries? Or how do we do this in a healthy way looking at Deborah's life? Well, one thing I say when I talk about Paul, and we can jump to Paul uh, soon if we want to, is if we look at a text like Romans 16, and Romans is a hard book to read. There's so much going on in Romans 1 through 11. If you get to 12, good luck. If you get to 16, (laughs) you are a saint. Yeah. (laughs) It kind of feels like the end credits of a movie. And yet, what I've learned from Romans 16, which is a lot of greetings, greet Phoebe, you know, greet Priscilla and Aquila and so forth. What I've realized, it's not just end credits, it's an honor roll. Yeah. It's a celebration of leadership. Paul is not just mentioning, he's not saying hellos to his friends or fans. He's celebrating leaders. The people who are leading with him. Yeah. And so one thing, you know, when you ask, you know, what, what does this mean? What does Deborah mean? What what are these what do these people you talk about in your book mean? It means that Paul had a kind of blind approach to leadership, saying, who's the gifted. Who's the best person mm-hmm. for this job? Mm-hmm. So we can just jump to Phoebe real quick. Yeah, come on. I'm telling you, I've sent texts about Phoebe since I read this. Phoebe's fascinating. Oh, she's awesome. You have to understand a little bit about the ancient world to understand Phoebe. In the ancient world, you didn't have the mail system. It's amazing on my phone. I can track a package if I'm waiting for a book yeah. or if I'm waiting for clothes or something. I can track, the, sometimes I can track the actual truck to my house yeah. and I'll be literally standing on the road waiting. Yeah. You didn't have a public delivery system for the for the private person. So you actually, if you wanted to get a message to somebody, you would either hire somebody or you would send a trusted friend, especially yeah. for something really important. And Romans is really, really important. Yes. And so Paul tended to send a trusted Christian colleague like uh, Epaphroditus or perhaps Luke or Timothy or Onesimus. He's going to send someone he really trusts. And they're going to be not just a delivery person. Yes. I hear this sometimes, a, a lettery person, just a delivery person. If you're traveling hundreds of miles... You're going to put your feet up. You're going to take a break. Yes. Right? You might stay there for a few days. You might receive some hospitality. So you're going to be a messenger that's going to be an agent of the sender. Yeah. So Paul's in Corinth, and he's sending a letter to Rome. And what we realize in the way that he talks about Phoebe is he's sending the letter to the Romans with Phoebe as the letter carrier. Mm-hmm. And actually, there are some ancient Greek manuscripts of Romans that actually say, through Phoebe, Paul to the Romans, through Phoebe. Wow. Because it's so obvious when you read the kind of commendation he gives about her and that she's staying there, give her whatever she wants. Now, think about this. Paul's saying this letter. It's a very deep letter. It will be a provocative letter because he's saying, hey, Gentiles do this, hey, Jews. He even says in Romans... I'm speaking to you boldly. Yes. Meaning this is yes. going to upset you. Yes. Because I'm I'm preaching the gospel yeah. to you. And so if they're going to have if they're going to get upset and they're going to start complaining, who are they going to complain to? Phoebe. They're going right. to complain to Phoebe. Right, cuz she's probably the one standing there reading it. She's probably the one reading it because texts of this kind with such drama and rhetoric and rhetorical questions and ups and downs they're kind of performed. When I read this part of your book, it blew my mind that Paul would have trained Phoebe. Okay, so when you say it, when you read this part, right. make sure. Right. That's unbelievable. Absolutely. So, uh, for example, I did my first audiobook narration for Tell Her Story. Okay. And you can't just read the book. Yeah, right? right. So I'll tell you something funny about the audiobook. So I have a whole bunch of quotes in there from different scholars, yeah. and they didn't want me to say, quote, in the book. Oh. They didn't want me to say the word quote. So how do I make sure people know it's a quote? So we I, would my producer had to come up with like, when it's a woman's voice, I would just use my voice just a little bit higher. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> I couldn't say you the word quote. the whole thing. Yeah. And if oh I did a man's voice, gosh. I have a naturally high voice. I would do my voice just a little bit lower. <laughs> so I had to perform yeah. and I didn't want to make it silly. So if you're listening to it, it's not going to be silly. But I, you know, if I'm doing Lynn Kohork, if I'm doing yeah. Linda Belleville, I just do a little bit higher. So I think it's probably like that where he's going to teach her and train her. So that makes her the most likely person to have yeah. read it. Whether she read it or not, she's going to go eventually go back home. Yes. So if they're going to have things they want to say to Paul, they're going to say them to her. Wow. So I actually refer to her as Paul's proxy. Yes. She's not an apostle in, in the sense that Paul's an apostle, but because he can't be there in person, he's investing her 
with some of his agency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that makes her pretty important. Now, you might say, Nija, are you just adding stuff to the Texas and that? He actually calls her a few things which are really important. He calls her a diakonos, which we can translate as deacon, but we can also translate as minister. We actually get yeah. the word minister from Latin, yeah. the word minister, and we get the word minister in Latin as the Vulgate, the Latin Vulgate Bible translation's counterpart to the Greek word diakonos. Wow. So she's a deacon slash minister, which means she's a leader in her own church. Yeah. And it also says that she's a benefactor to Paul and to many. And hospitality, I can't tell you how important hospitality was in the ancient world of not just giving people cookies Uh and coffee, but taking care of them. Yeah. Taking care of them. So she's looking out. The same kind of language is used of Philemon, actually, for his church. He takes care of people. He's hospitable. So she's actually very important, and I. Th- here's what I want to say: Paul could have chosen a wide number of male leaders to yeah. send the letter yeah. from Corinth: Stephanus, Achaius, Gaius, Erastus. He knew all these men. He knew, I think, seven or eight male leaders. Yeah, and he chose Phoebe. He chose Phoebe. Why? Because she was capable, I think. Yeah. One of the things you do so well, and you do this a lot when you're talking about Phoebe and Deborah, is you have all this other research. Mm -hmm. These are texts that were written right then. And here's what else they're saying. Mm -hmm. That is something that me as a normal Bible reader, I don't often think about the additional texts that are not scripture, but are telling us about the time when you write about households, you're like, well, we know all this because here are all these other writings. Right. Will you talk about how those can inform the importance of us understanding what else was going on around the Bible helps us inform what the Bible is saying? Absolutely. You know, I've I've I get some of the pushback I get on the book is how much I appeal to quote unquote context. Uh-huh. But I've thought about writing like an extra chapter for this or something else in the future called Context is Not the Boogeyman. Yeah. Meaning I'm not adding things to the text. I'm catching us up on what the living experience was like for the people reading the text. Yes. So, for example, you have parts of the New Testament that say, you know, wives, be submissive to your husbands and children to parents and slave to masters. And that's sometimes used as a way to say to women, hey, stay in your lane. You know, don't don't lead a church. Don't do this. Don't do that. But when we look at the context of early Christianity, the New Testament in the first century, the Roman world, we learn some interesting things about women in the household. So this is just stuff that was true about the time. Mm-hmm. One is you could have women heads of household. Like Lydia, right? Lydia would be a great example yeah. where no man is mentioned. But even in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Luke, you have Mary and Martha and Martha invites Jesus to her house for hospitality. That's normally the head of the house's job, the Ah. pater familias, she does it. No men are mentioned in the story. You'll even see paintings. You know, this is the the one where Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Yes. Martha's, you know, working in the kitchen. And you'll even see paintings where there are no men in that story because there aren't men in that story. So that could be a case where they are. But then you also have Nympha. I'm going to come back to Nympha in a minute. I almost wrote a chapter called The Most Important Christian You've Never Heard Of. Yeah. (laughs) Nympha. Because she's mentioned in Colossians, at the end of Colossians, it talks about Nympha and her household. And churches met in households. This would be the language you would use for a house church that meets in that person's household. And every sign points to her being the leader of that house church. In the same way, they talk about Stephanus and his household and Priscilla and Aquila and the church that meets in, in yeah. their house. And it talks about Philemon and Aphia and the church that meets in their house. And so you could have a head of household, and uh, they often were the right person to lead a house church because they can provide a meal, they have some leadership experience, and if they're full of the Holy Spirit and if they're trained, yeah. they would be a great household leader. So this idea that... Women couldn't be ministry leaders that could oversee a community, I think, is defied by stories like Nympha. And we learn from context that even though the Roman world was patriarchal, which means the laws were oriented towards men being in power, you did have exceptions to that. Yeah. 
I love the part where you say the rules at a golf course will say no facial hair or something like no shorts. You can't wear shorts or you can't have facial hair. You need to shave your beard. And you say, it's not that women aren't golfing. It's that if men are golfing, they right. sh- they can't have beards or whatever it is. I can't remember yeah. the exact example. So, for example, either. in First Timothy, you know, s- someone has mentioned to me that oh, oh, leaders can only be men because Paul says that a leader has to be the husband of one wife. Yeah, an elder. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and that, that, yeah, a leader, and yes. that assumes that it's a man because it doesn't say the woman can have one husband. Well, the laws were oriented towards male empowerment, and so women really couldn't easily have multiple husbands, but. But men could have, you know, there were opportunities for men to have multiple wives or have multiple divorces. But think about it this way. If we were to make that – if we make that statement an absolute, it would actually mean that you had to be married right. to be in ministry, which would actually contradict what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Oh, wow. Where he says, I wish that everyone were like me. So someone has said to me before, oh, Paul couldn't be, a, you know, a, an overseer. Does that make any sense? Oh, no. Right. It's what it's really talking about is faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Faithfulness in your relationships. Mm-hmm. Faithfulness in your marriage. Commitment. It's not an absolute. So yeah, the example I use is if you went to a golf course and it says facial hair must be groomed all the times, that's not saying there can be no women golfers. It's saying this is the majority, this is a common happenstance. Yeah. And so, hey, this is the expectation and rule. And I think Paul's doing that. It comes back to me saying he had a blind form of leadership. Yeah. You know, I, I love soccer. I watch a lot of soccer. Me too. Who's your team? Do, Portland well, Timbers. Well, Portland Timbers, I mean, of yeah, course. I have to remember Nashville something. SC. Okay. Listen, Nashville. next time they play. All right. We should cheer against each other. <laughs> I love it. But sit too. together. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what I love about soccer is, like, you go with who's most qualified on the day yeah. to be put in the starting lineup. I think when we read Romans 16, this is – I hope this – you caught this in the book because I've – when I first read this in the scholarship I read, it was profound to me. One scholar argues Paul's using Romans 16 as a practical outworking of Galatians 3.28, neither male nor female, yeah. neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave or free. I encourage listeners yes. to go read Romans 16 and think through this. Some of the people mentioned in that list of Christian leaders are Jewish – some of them are Gentile. Yes. Some of them are slave names. Slave names often were very practical names, like Urbanus means city person. Yeah. Uh, or, um, you know, so we get the sense that some of the names are either slave names or former slaves, and some are probably free. Most are probably free. And about a third of the names are women. Mm-hmm. Tryphena, Tryphosa, Persis, Mary, Right. Junia, Prisca, the mother uh, of Rufus, the sister of Nereus. What we learn from that is Paul rubs shoulders with lots of women mm-hmm. in ministry. Mm-hmm. You have to ask yourself, if he hasn't been to Rome to meet this church in person, which he says at the beginning of the letter, how does he know all these yeah, women? Yeah, yeah. Because they travel for ministry. Yes. Hi, friends. Just interrupting this conversation one more time to share about another amazing partner, Mended. Okay, we are coming up on Mother's Day, and we have such a fun gift idea. Mended has the cutest tea towels, dinner napkins, table runners, and more. We have two of their cactus green tea towels in the office, and we Love them. They are so beautiful. Match our kitchen perfectly. Plus, have you seen anything that's block printed? We love it, you guys. Mended hand block prints their products. And oh my gosh, it just feels like the most personal touch. But what's so much better than how beautiful Mended products are, are its mission. Mended is a social impact company working to economically empower survivors of modern day slavery in South Asia. So the beautifully printed products have been made by one of their 23 survivor artisan partners that Mended partners with. That is so cool. It's an absolute win-win for all of us involved. And it's why I love bringing my friends into the Mended story. When you gift products from Mended, you get a story card and the confidence that you're giving a true gift of impact. So go to www.mended.co. That's M-E-N-D-E-D.co, Or follow them on Instagram at Mended underscore C-O and use the code that sounds fun for free shipping. No matter who you're buying gifts for this spring, I 
know they are going to love the stuff that Mended makes and with such a good cause. And one last amazing partner to share with you, StoryWorth. You all know Mr. and Mrs. F. Downs by now, my parents, and you know they're full of good stories. They were just recently in town. We got to go to the Ryman, which was my favorite. Leaper's Fork had some great meals. We went to church. It was just one of those weekends with my family that I never want to forget. And that's where StoryWorth can come in. If you need another Mother's Day gift idea, this is a great one. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones connect through sharing stories and memories, and it preserves them for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your mom or dad or whoever you're buying for a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of, like what's some of the best advice your mother gave you, or what's one of your favorite memories from a trip we've taken? One of my favorite ones my parents have answered is about their vacations as kids. It's so interesting. It's just something I never thought to ask, but I'm really glad StoryWorth did. After a year, StoryWorth compiles all the questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that the whole family can share for generations. I bought StoryWorth for my dad and my mom, and y'all, I cannot wait to read all of their answers and hold that final book and gift it to my siblings and my cousins. I know that we will love this for years to come. Give all the moms in your life a meaningful gift this Mother's Day that you'll both cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash that sounds fun. That's S-T-O-R-Y. W-O-R-T-H dot com slash that sounds fun to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to finish up this fascinating conversation with Nijay. Let me ask you here, the mother of Rufus, the only other time I see Rufus is when Jesus is being crucified and Simon of Cyrene carries his cross and it says he's the father of Rufus. Right. So do you think this is the same family? I do. I've <gasps> looked into it and I think Gosh. the mentioning of Rufus is too kind of in your face to not make those connections. There are uh, there's a lot of common names in the Bible like Mark or Mary. Yeah. But Rufus is not as common of a no. name. And so to me it's like yeah, this is the same. And that then, and then this idea crazy. they settled in Rome makes sense. It's yes. a big city. It's the yes. imperial city. Oh my it's pretty gosh, cool. Little Easter so eggs cool. in scripture. That is so cool. One of the tensions I feel that I wonder if some of our friends listening feel too is like, I hear you on all this. And I, I mean, I love your book. I love all this. And also I find it really complicated to not just read what scripture says. Yeah. And to go, well, I don't know all that context, but scripture is saying this scripture says Romans 12, therefore (laughs) I urge you brother, you know, like, do we just need to learn more or can we take scripture at its word in the translation that we're reading? We should always be learning more, but I think we have to take seriously that, you know, there's a famous quote, you know, LP Hartley, the past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. Mm. I use that quote with my students all the time. I'm teaching a course right now in Bible interpretation. I love using that quote with my students because You have to know that you're making a cultural jump when you step into Scripture. Mm -hmm. I do believe the the big things are clear in Scripture about who Jesus is, you know, about the storyline of the Bible, all the stuff. You've had Tim Mackey on your show. All the stuff Tim says is true and clear in Scripture. But we have to admit that throughout time, we have made some blunders like slavery, Mm -hmm. right? So I think in the 1800s, good Bible-loving Christians were saying, shouldn't I just read off the page? It says right there in Scripture that slaves should obey. Slaves shouldn't rebel. Slaves shouldn't run away. Slaves should be good slaves. And what did Rehab realize? Not every structure in Scripture is meant to be taken at face value. Now, I don't want any of the listeners to be worried. There are guardrails there, yes. right? We trust you know, we trust most of the things in Scripture to be exactly what they say and what they mean. But let's just take a simple example like braiding your hair, mm-hmm. right? The Bible on multiple occasions forbids it. But we've learned that actually that's a practical reflection of of some symbol of what hair braiding meant at the time and that we realize it doesn't have the same symbolic value today. So there are times where I think that we have to say maybe a command is given in Scripture that is really specific 
to its context, mm-hmm. really specific to his time. Kind of tongue-in-cheek, the example I like to give is when Paul tells Timothy, oh, you have a tummy ache? You need to drink less water and drink more wine. Yes, yes. I'll tell you, yes. I think that's actually not good advice. <laughs> right, right, dear everybody. It's not, not a good advice, advice for everybody. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So when it comes to women, okay, here's the way I explain it to my students. Studying scripture with complex issues is kind of like walking into a crime scene as a crime scene investigator. Mm-hmm. You have to look at everything in the room and not just look at one thing. So let's, you know, you can't just say we found a bloody knife and that's the answer. If you have a bloody knife and that person has, you know, an airtight alibi, things get complicated. So what I'm saying is, yes, in one text it says women shouldn't teach. And in another place, women are teaching. Right. Or here it says women should. And both by Paul. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And then we have in one text, women should be silent. In another text, women prophesy out loud Mm -hmm. in front of the church. And so what I want to argue in this book is, yes, read your your Bible, but letting such an important issue hang on one verse that even scholars disagree about how it should be translated, like 1 Timothy 2.12, is really really messy. Mm -hmm. So I would say what what I want to do in my book is, Let's look at the whole Bible. Let's look at what women do in the whole Bible as models, as examples, as heroes. Let's just take the word pastor. I can't tell you how many people tell me the Bible forbids women from being pastors. Read your Bible. It actually doesn't use the word pastor in that way. Mm -hmm. So then we need to actually say, what exactly are we talking about? What constitutes teaching? I'm not encouraging people to ignore parts of Scripture, but I really want them to take all the important parts of Scripture into account when studying these messy issues. Yes, yes. That is, to me, anyone, and myself included, whose stomach sometimes hurts when these topics come up, yeah. of going like, well, I, but the Bible is God's word. I want to yeah. take it as it is. And it makes my stomach hurt to not just do that. Right. The excitement is go to your pastor and say, give me two books to read. Yeah. Uh, what? How did you get to where you're teaching us from this standpoint? Like, before you get unhappy with people who disagree with you, just let this be what dives you deeper yeah. into study, yeah. right? That's I mean, that's one of the reasons I picked up your book yeah. is I've been on a 12-year journey of where do women lead in the church yeah. because of how God made me. Yeah. I needed to figure out what was okay and what was true and what was scriptural because I feel my stomach hurting a little bit when we talk about it. I just want to acknowledge that. And that's okay, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We, we will all survive our stomach hurting when we get to certain parts of the Bible. Yeah. And that is just part of the gig. One of the things you talk about so much is the purposeful diversity that Jesus also did when he told parables mm-hmm. and how often I have never realized this until you taught it to me. How often Jesus would go, here's a parable with a man, and then right next to it, a parable about a woman, the right. the lost sheep with yep. a shepherd and the lost coin. coin. I mean, will you talk about how rare that was and why that mattered? Yeah. Because it didn't stand out to me ever. A lot of this is the way that Luke thinks as a gospel Luke. writer. Yeah. Gosh, I love Luke. So at the very beginning of the gospel of Luke, you know, it talks about Zechariah and it talks about um, Elizabeth. Yeah. So you have that pair. Yeah. You have Mary and Joseph. You have that pair. You have Anna, the prophet. And then you have Simeon. Yeah. And so he, I, you know, he likes to make sure that everybody's taken care of. <laughs> I have never paid attention to that. And then you have the calling of the disciples, but then you also have the mention of the women that follow Jesus yeah. in Luke 8, which is interesting because none of the other gospels explicitly say. So like the, the line I like to use with my students is when I was growing up, I used to think that like when Jesus, you know, got a reservation at the Cheesecake Factory, it was for 13. Yeah. Right. The 12 <laughs> disciples and him. Right. And Luke broadens our imagination to see more people following Jesus. So you got to think in three circles. You had the 12. Yes. And then you had another group of committed close followers, right? The Chosen shows us this beautifully in the show. Yeah, Yeah. I was just going to mention that, you know, you'll see Mary Magdalene in... In, the, in those scenes in the movie and in Luke, and you'll see sometimes Mary, the mother of Jesus, and other people as well. And then you have the crowds, right? But in between the crowds and the 12, you do have this bigger group. Yeah. And what's interesting is they just kind of pop up, but, but Luke makes sure that we know that they were there at the cross. Yeah. That's not a ladylike place yeah. <laughs> in our yeah. minds for women to appear. Yeah, I would imagine that probably historically women didn't like gather there. 
Yeah, they definitely wouldn't be the majority. Yeah. But the men were nowhere to be found. Yes. And that, that's made clear. Strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Yep. The men, the men were hiding and the women were there, including the mother of Jesus. Yeah. And then they go to the tomb. And so Luke goes out of his way. So let me just talk about the parable of the coin. This is interesting. I don't know what kind of quote unquote agenda Luke has, but what we know about this woman, just this like two verse woman is number one, she has money. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, she can throw a party by herself. Uh-huh, yeah. I mean, this... <laughs> that is what we know. <laughs> those are the things we know about her. So Luke is is really interested that of about the women that go off script, that yeah. go off the script of woman-like behavior according to pop culture of the time and according to even our pop culture of where women can be and what they do. To have these seemingly single women who have had demons cast out of them, yes. as Luke says, following Jesus around. And it says they supplied for his ministry out of their resources. I love that part. Right? Like the he's women's at Cheesecake Factory everything. and they pull out their Chase Sapphire card. Yes. I mean, that's pretty yes. cool that he's yes. not, you know, no, no, no. And then here's what's fascinating to me about Luke, Luke 24. The angels uh, at the tomb appear to these women, including Mary Magdalene, and they say, why are you upset? He said he would suffer and die and rise again just as he taught you. Oh, wow. Just as he taught you. They weren't interlopers or eavesdroppers on Jesus' teaching. Not only were they direct recipients, but the angels of heaven hold them accountable to the teachings of Jesus. Wow. How we miss little things like that. It is hidden figures, right? Yes, hidden figures. Luke, Luke has always been my dude. I just love him. I love that he wasn't there and he just researched. Yeah. He just went, I, I need to go ask questions. Because yeah. that part where the mother of Jesus, where it says she treasured all these things in her heart, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well, at some point she said to Luke, he I haven't told her. anybody this. And I I want to watch that scene. I wish I hope the Lord will pull that up on the movie screen right. when we get there. Because I just want to watch Luke interviewing Mary. We're going to talk all about Mary for a little special Mother's Day thing. So we'll hang on to her. But if you could send our listeners, male and female, out today with the thought of what's our next step? What's our next step as church leaders? What's our next step as many of our listeners are in our age bracket of 30s, 40s that are stepping into leadership at companies, at schools, yeah. at churches, in our nation. What's our next step of how we bring these hidden figures to light and how that plays out? Yeah. I would say be careful with stereotypes that we mm. use for both men and women. Yes. I'm not saying men and women don't have differences. I think they have differences. But for example, I have really bad allergies, so I don't do very much of the yard work. And my wife is really good at, you know, using the chainsaw to cut branches (laughs) and using the tree clippers. And I love food. I love food so much. Uh And I do all the cooking because I love it, because I love making food. Yes. And because it's a good relaxation for me. And I love making Asian food and Indian food and all kinds. So be careful of stereotypes because we can sometimes use that to stop God from doing great things like he did through Mary, the mother of Jesus, or through Deborah. I think, you know, it's very interesting to me when scripture talks about virtue, it doesn't genderize virtue, meaning all Christians should be gentle. All Christians should be patient. All Christians should be courageous. Yes. Uh, All Christians should be bold. So what I would say, a key thing is whether you're talking to a man or woman Affirm how God has made them in their giftings. Mm, yeah. This person's bold. This person is winsome, right? See people for the great things they've done and the great potential they have. And, you know, it is going back to that blind sense of, you know, this person has a gift. I love watching those shows like American Idol and The Voice yeah. because they're predicated on the fact that people have gifts that sometimes our eyes get in the way of. Yes, right. So when they're not looking and the voice turns around, they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. A thing I don't know that you know about me is, but our friends listening know is I'm not Paul's like biggest fan. <laughs> I'm kind of Peter's biggest fan. I think Peter's yeah. awesome. And yeah. all the, he's ridiculous and makes a ton of mistakes, but I'd have had a sword and cut off somebody's ear too. So, but you and N.T. Wright and some yeah. of our friends that are coming on have really helped me 
it has never been the leadership thing for me with Paul. It's been that I feel like his person. I don't like his personality. <laughs> I'm going to try to change your mind, Annie. Are you? You I'm love try. him? I, I do. I'm, I, I'm going to give you a couple books I think will okay, change your mind. I will do. See, this is, I am very here for it. And that's, that is what I encourage our friends listening. There are so many women who are trying to sort out, and I hope men, that are trying to sort out, what does this look like for me? Mm-hmm. And you have given us a book that can change our minds in small or big ways yeah. that is just scriptural. It is such a gift. Yeah, I, it is such a gift. So thank you for writing it. Is there anything we didn't say you want to make sure we say? No, um, I'm, I'm just excited. You know, my encouragement, my final encouragement is reading never hurts anybody. I think people right. are afraid. Oh, no, what if? If this is God's world and truth is God's truth, read and then my friend AJ Swoboda always yeah. says, you know, eat the meat, spit out the bones. Yes. Right? Even yes. with my work, I don't think I'm right in everything. N.T. Wright sometimes says, I'm 30% wrong about everything I say. I just don't know what the 30% is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's right. Eat, eat the meat, spit out the bones. That should be true. As we go forward in our culture, we can read and it is not it is not scary. You're an adult with a brain. We can eat the meat and spit out the bones. But I will tell you, I was fully fed by your book. I It has... I mean, I cry. I've cried twice since I <laughs> since you've gotten here about it. So, it is happy such tears. a gift. Yes, really happy tears that this book came to me at just the right time. So, thank you so much for writing it. Um, the last question we always ask. I've got a note, NJ, because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what sounds fun to you. What sounds fun to me is going out to a great restaurant with friends. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you eating here in Nashville? How long are you here? Do you um, fly back today? Yeah. It's it's heart. just a whistle stop tour, yeah. 24 yeah. hours. <laughs> but uh, sadly, <laughs> I had to eat at McDonald's at the airport. No, so no, I'm I did so not sorry. eat well. Okay. Send me with some ribs. I went, Yes. Ladybird Taco okay. is the taco place to go to if you need some tacos on your way out. We will give you some recommendations Thank before you. you leave today. And you'll join us for Mother's Day to do a little thing about Mary. Yes, I'm excited. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this book. And all the others that you have just opened up a treasure trove for me of your work. I'm so grateful. Thank you. My pleasure. Oh, you guys, right? Isn't he awesome? I love smart people. We are so lucky to have theologians that make time to come on our show. And I just need you to tell me in the comments on the Instagram post of this conversation. I need you to tell me out of five mind blown emojis. How many are you? Show me in the comments today. Hey, and be sure to grab a copy of Tell Her Story. It is such an important conversation. Remember, as Nija and I talked about, it is so good to keep reading and keep learning. So I hope you will do that with Tell Her Story. I have handed out a lot of these copies. I purchased them the day I finished reading it and handed out to a lot of my coworkers and friends because I think this is one of the best books on this I've ever read, truly. Make sure you're following Nijay on Instagram. Thank him so much for being on the show. And just a reminder that we don't have to agree with everyone to be their friend. So I just remind you to show kindness on the internet. Even if you don't agree with me or Nijay all the time, your kindness is one of the best things about you. And so just... Thank you for that in advance. And hey, don't forget the Here For You Tour is just a little over a month away. You guys, Carlos and I are hitting the road in June. We want to see you at one of the stops along the way. Head to hereforyoutour.com to grab your tickets. Okay, so we heard what sounds fun to Nije. Good answer. Now we get to hear what sounds fun to one of our friends who's listening just like you. All right, Hannah, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Hi, I'm Hannah from Atlanta, and what sounds fun to me is this summer I'm going to Oklahoma City to watch the Women's College World Series for softball with my sister and my husband and her husband. It's always been on our bucket list. We grew up playing softball and played in college, so super excited about it. Okay, so it's the Women's World Series between, and it'll be two college teams? So it'll be the top eight out there. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, where did y'all play? Are y'all playing in one of the schools that could make it? No, we went to Georgia College and State University, so we were oh, in Division yeah, girl, Two in, Mill- in Milledgeville. Yeah, yeah, in Milledgeville. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no, we have played out there before, but not in the World Series. So your softball, not playing, but your softball observing, watching a game, snack is what. What do you got to have at a ballpark? <sighs> oh man, that's a great question. Um, I've got to have like a good pretzel, especially yeah. if it's like a cinnamon pretzel. Oh, that's, yes. that's where it's at. Yeah. Great answer, Hannah. Very good. Yeah. yeah I'll so take, I'm super excited. I love a salty pretzel. If I'm going to yeah. go hard on that kind of gluten, I'm going to get a salty pretzel. Well done. <laughs> 
Oh, I love it, you guys. Okay, if you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And don't forget to subscribe today because I don't want you to miss the Mother's Day conversation that Nije and I got to have about Mary, the mother of Jesus. It is an awesome part two, just about 15 minutes, part two conversation about her that I think you're going to love. So make sure you are subscribed today. I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I'll do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is eating lunch at the airport. I cannot wait. I'm getting ready to head to the airport and grab a snack. And I just, I love that. It's so fun. It's one of the most fun things about the airport is all the treats. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday to kick off the month of May with, are you ready? First timer, Cece Winans. Y'all, Cece Winans is here on Monday. Y'all, she's just the best. So y'all have a great weekend. Make sure you are subscribed to the show so you do not miss what is coming in May, particularly. CC Winans on Monday. We'll see y'all. Have a great weekend.